0: Blog Talk Radio Good morning. How is everyone? Fine. I want to thank you for being here. I'd like to thank Blog Talk Radio at a, an appointment each week to share our thoughts on compassion, our thoughts on love and our thoughts on thankfulness. And I just... Bob and Mara will be with us shortly, and we just call our show Bob and Mara Compassion, and it is powered by Blog Talk Radio, as I said. And again, thank you to Blog Talk Radio for giving us this forum in which we can share our thoughts with you. The... Today, I would like to... Just say thank you all for being here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you're out there listening today or if you're out there listening after the fact, which is, again, one of the great things about Blog Talk Radio, is that you could come back at any time and listen again or listen later if you don't happen to be able to listen at the time that we do the show live. The topic for today, we're going to talk more about verse 9 of the Tao. Last week we read that verse and introduced it, and then we're going to introduce verse one, which we'll talk about in more detail next week. What that does is it allows us to take the time during the week to digest that verse and try to live the Tao, live being one with yourself, one with nature, allowing your soul to meld with your body, mind, spirit, and soul all into one so that you're working as one unit in unison. The folks that are out there, we'd like to ask you that if you have friends, family, et cetera, and you like our show, pass along our information to them and have them listen in as well. And we'd like to ask you to rate the show today when you're finished and leave us some comments. Let us know what it is that you like about the show. Let us know what you don't like about the show. We we can take either one. The...
1: Can you hear me, Bob? There you go. Hi, Bob. And
0: welcome, Mara. She's
1: Thank now you. Hello, me. everybody.
0: The... So this week, what I've done is, you know, taken verse 9 and just sat and thought about it during my meditation time. And... It's just so so it means can mean so many things and it can mean so many things to to anyone, but I think just deep down it means take the time for yourself and let go let go and and allow yourself to be happy and to know that everything is okay and that you are okay and that's really the name of our show is you are okay, and we'd like to. Just remind everyone that you are okay and you are enough. And I think that's exactly what verse 9 is telling you, that you are enough. You've got to stop trying to be something that you're not. You're enough just the way that you are.
1: Exactly. Shall we say that, Bob? Shall we say that and when we do our breathing exercise here? Did I miss a lot? I'm sorry. For some reason, I was having difficulty connecting.
0: Oh, no problem. No, you didn't miss too much. Good. Thank you. Let's see. Yes, let's all say three, three times together, I am enough. I am enough. I am enough. I, I am, am enough. enough. I am I enough. I am enough. And folks, remember to say that when you're feeling a little bit down or you're feeling a little depressed during the week or when you're having just a bad day or your boss is on you for something or your spouse or significant other is on your last nerve. Just remember, I am enough. I am enough. And remember, they're enough too. And I think it's important to remember that as well because we're all at different... Crucial. All in different places and different times in our lives. So just remember, you are enough and the person that's on your last nerve is enough as well.
1: Exactly. You see more in another is one of the real challenges of life there are many times we want to lead in reaction and when we're leading in reaction we're not seeing more in the other person than they necessarily are showing us and when you recognize that we are all connected we are all one with each other then you're softer toward that person and you know that there's more in them and so that they can they will in part take their lead from you
0: right and i think you're also softer on yourself because many times that's where a lot of our our chaos comes from is from us being hard on ourselves many times
1: i agree i agree
0: the i have a quote from this is from dyer in the in the, the preface to his book your thoughts or change your thoughts change your life and he says and this goes so well with your comment as well I know that we humans are like the rest of the natural world and that sadness, fear, frustration or any troubling feeling cannot last. Nature doesn't create a storm that never ends. Within misfortune, good fortune hides.
1: Yes, yes. Isn't that we, we gorgeous? We to remember you
0: know? that, that, that there are. Like this morning I woke up and it's all cloudy and rainy, drizzly rainy day and you know, you think, oh, when the show is over, I could go out and sit in the yard because it's been so nice. And then I thought, you know what? We need the rain. We need the water. So let it rain and just accept it as a beautiful day, where the where I can stay inside and get some projects that need to be done in the house complete. So there are so there is a in in what my perceived misfortune of a rainy day is actually. I'm going to make it a great day by accomplishing some things around the house.
1: I think that's so true. In fact, uh, one of the things that I I kind of had a moment of epiphany this morning that I shared with you earlier, which not on the air, folks, uh, which is that, uh, pardon me, I, I recognize that we have to be around chaos in order to know peace. It has absolutely no meaning. It's just all of the counterbalances are in life. You can't know light if you don't know dark. You can't know the truth if you don't know a lie. You can't know love if you don't know hate. I mean, it's all counterbalanced. And in chaos, we have to get to a place where we finally recognize we have no control, that the water is spilling out of our hands. We have no control. And then we can surrender to letting things be exactly the way they are. And it is in that place, that accepting place, that peace rests.
0: It does. How do we recognize peace unless we have the chaos? The, I think as you sit in meditation and you on a daily basis, or so however long that you sit in meditation. And I'm actually going to read a little bit from The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, which talks about meditation and about how long you should meditate. And kind of uh, It's kind of a funny little story, but it has a very good uh, message. But when you're sitting there in that peaceful moment, when you're able to get to, to release all of the negative out of, out of your mind and clear your mind and get into that oneness, that still place, you realize that you do need to have the chaos to get there because you're releasing that chaos and, and you don't appreciate the fact that you have peace. And maybe that's what it is, is that you really appreciate the peace so much more because we know chaos.
1: This the, is true. I agree with you.
0: It's that recognition that we are, that it just makes it to me... More, I'm more appreciative for that time because of the chaos that's going around. The I agree. The fourth agreement in the book, The Four Agreements, uh, by Don Miguel Ruiz, the fourth agreement is always do your best. And he starts out by saying under any, any circumstances, always do your best, no more and no less. He goes on to, to talk about that, you know, some days your best may be better than your best is other days, and that's okay as long as you did your best. And he, I'm just going to read a little bit from the book here. And it says, there was a man who wanted to transcend his suffering. So he went to a Buddhist temple to find a master to help him. He went to the master and asked, master, if I meditate for four hours a day, how long will it take me to transcend? The master looked at him and said, if you meditate four hours a day, perhaps you'll transcend in 10 years. Thinking he could do better, the man then said, Oh, Master, what if I meditated eight hours a day? How long would it take me to transcend? The master looked at him and said, If you meditate eight hours a day, perhaps you'll transcend in 20 years. But why will it take me longer if I meditate more, the man asked. The master replied, You are not here to sacrifice your joy or your life. You are here to live, to be happy, to be loved. If you can do your best in two hours of meditation, but you spend eight hours instead, you will only grow tired, miss the point, and you won't enjoy your life. Do your best, and perhaps you will learn that no matter how long you meditate, you can live, love, and be happy. So folks, you don't have to meditate for a whole day. You just have to meditate for the amount of time that you can that day, whether that be 10 seconds of breathing three deep breaths and and clearing your mind as long as you do your best that day.
1: That is so true. And and may I add to that, um, before we go to the breathing, that I absolutely have come to realize as you read the part about do your best, folks, friends, parts of us, Whatever you do is your best in that moment. It may be a frightening reality that your best is something that everyone in society abhors, but something, some fear drove you to that place. And now you have an opportunity to do more, to reach to a higher plane. If we cling to the mistakes that we've made, because they are mistakes and they don't reflect who we are, we lose an opportunity to show who we are. So maybe that's a good place for us to do our breathing exercise.
0: And I'm going to do the breathing exercise a little bit different today. I'm going to I'm going to do the centering exercise because I find that just the words of that exercise are so healing. The, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the centering exercise. And then what I'm going to do is I'm just going to have everybody breathe, take their three deep breaths or however many deep breaths they can during the time that I finish the exercise. And as you take those deep breaths and bring, draw that air up through your feet and up into your lungs and out and over the top of your head, and you expand. Exhale all that air, remembering to breathe in as much air as you can and to release as much air as you can. I'm just going to say a few words and a few passages as we do that, and I hope that it'll be something that everyone enjoys. So let's, I sure, it will be. All center ourselves this morning, and remember that there is a seed in you that is your center is your spiritual center and is the place where your love sprouts and grows it lies in the heart in the deepest place of your being where love is never ending it is the place where love can find protection love can find its root love can find its wings to grow this is your center this is the place in you that holds heart with harmony this is the place in which you matter from your heart you are centered You are in a green, growing place of love. Love starts with you and shines its face on you. Love loves you. Love spreads to your neighbors, to the world. You are centered. You are love. You are centered in the wonder of love. So now let's begin to take our deep breaths and let's think about the word patience. Let's Promise ourselves to be more patient with those that, for whom we need to be more patient. Let's send loving thoughts to those to whom we've lost our patience with this week as we take in our breaths. And say three times or in your head or out loud, just say patience, patience, patience. Let's think of love, and let's send loving thoughts to those who need to have loving thoughts today. Send those thoughts to your enemies. Send those thoughts to your friends, to your neighbors, and fold them in love, and fold them with all the love that you have deep in that heart where love is at. Send that all out, and say love, love. Love. Thankfulness. Let's be thankful for everything, for the flowers, the trees, for everything. Thankful that we were able to get up this morning. Thankful that our friends that are near and dear to us are here with us. Be thankful for those who have made the transition to the other side, for the Love that they've left inside of you. And remember throughout the week to be thankful, thankful, thankful. Peace. 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 Let's take in together one last deep breath. Let's take that breath. Let's pull the air from, from the earth and pull it up through our feet. Bring that up into our gut chakra and feel that oxygen, that over-oxygenation of your blood as it cleanses your body, cleanses your mind, your soul, your spirit. As you pull that up through to your heart, feel the warmth of the oxygen in your heart as your heart is beating. Feel that coming up into your head and into your crown chakra and feel the warmth of the oxygen on the top of your head and feel as if you have a big aura of light around your head. And as you do that, release the air and let's all release that together. Ah. leave you in a comfortable state listening to music by ahimsa it's called the view from the mountain top everyone again. Does everyone feel renewed and refreshed? I sure do. I hope you do too. The
1: Absolutely. Can we join our thoughts and minds together for a few minutes? If certainly. we could. Thank you. If everyone could reach out their left arm and reach to around to feel the energy of the people who are listening to our program today, those who are listening now and those who will listen later. We were completely wrong last week, when or I was wrong, when I said there were six people listening. There were actually 16 people listening. Can you imagine the multiplier of that? That's almost 300% more energy being joined. No matter how many listen now or later, we expect... Expand our energy and our revolution of love are lessons of showing people that love can make a difference. We take a chance on being gentle, on co- being kind, staying, loving, healing. So let's expand that energy out and feel the connection of those who are listening. My hands get warm when I feel you lining up, holding your arms out, and I hold your hand. And now, let's reach our right arm out and let's feel the expansion of our energy, that there's enough of us, even if there's only two, there are enough of us that in our divine nature, we can totally encase this planet in love. And now, as we've got the wonderful coursing energy from the music, we feel ourselves On top of the mountain, let us open our hearts, open them up, thrust back your shoulders, holding each other's hand, and let's send love. Let's take that energy that we were coursing through our body a few moments ago and now release it because we are connected and we have more than we need. We are like quiet rivers running amidst chaos. As we release love, see love sparkling in front of you as tiny, tiny sparkles of effervescent light. Feel it exploding from your chest, going out as though you are a cartoon figure and your heart is just sending out these particles of light. And now breathe and send that light to the universe. Send that light around this planet. Let our revolution of love touch those in need and let them know that they are loved. Let our actions follow the love that we send so that we help those in need. Let us love all and remember that everyone is not necessarily showing us their best, best self. And so let's open our eyes and see more in them than they are showing us. Let us send love. Let these particles of love imagine them circling the White House, guiding our president. Let's have them circle the Senate and the House of Representatives and the Supreme Court. Let's have them circle all of the government bodies around the world, believing that these effervescent qualities of light that we're sending can make a difference. Excuse me. We need merely believe that we can make a difference. Thank you. Namaste. Namaste. The...
0: Uh, Wow, I just kind of had to stop there for a minute. Uh, I just wanted to read a quick quote, and I think it just kind of goes with everything that we've talked about this morning. And it's from Pema Chodron, who is, a, I believe, a Buddhist monk in in North America and Canada. And she says, When you begin to touch your heart, or let your heart be touched, you begin to discover that it is bottomless that it doesn't have any resolution, that this heart is huge, vast, and limitless, you begin to discover how much warmth and gentleness is there, as well as how much space. I intended to read that at the beginning of the show and kind of forgot, but as you were leading us through the prayer, it came to mind that, wow, that's we do have big hearts that are limitless and they, it, they, it knows no boundaries. But too many times we, we hold back. We hold back our feelings and we don't allow ourselves to allow others into our heart or allow ourselves into others' hearts. And wow, what a shame that we do that when it really is limitless what our heart and what love can be.
1: I think it turns so much on believing that we are enough, Bob. I, I think that believing that one person, one l- can make a difference. So many times we say, I'm just a little drop falling into the cup. And we forget that drop by drop by drop, the cup fills up. When I was a little girl, my um My mom my mom and dad have these giant hearts. We never we always had enough. We always had enough. But we didn't have a lot, but we always had enough. And there were people who had less. And my mom would take gifts to people. It's just her nature. Even now, she'll give gifts to children. If she's in the dollar store and there's children there whose parents can't afford to buy them something, she will make sure they each have something. And in those days, what we were doing is we were taking a birthday cake to a family who had had their power turned off. Their utilities were gone. Now, that was something that I never experienced in my and and that was a blessing but when we walked into this house my mom had a birthday cake for the lady and a gift it was her birthday and we were going to celebrate and we did we did celebrate but when we left i said to my mom mom i noticed the water was dripping they didn't turn off their water and she said no that drop of water has to be there when their power when their water has been turned off So that the cup will fill up for them to drink. The cup fills up, my friends, one drop at a time. 16 listeners, 32 listeners, 10 listeners, one listener, one drop at a time. And that if we believe that love can make a difference, it will. It will not be an easy journey or an easy rebellion because everyone says, well, I can't do that because what if this happened? And what they expect to happen almost inevitably is not love, but is instead arising out of fear. Neil Donald Walsh says that everything finds its genesis. He says God told him, and I believe this is true, that God did, that everything finds its genesis in love or in hate. Excuse me, in love or in fear? I misspoke. Not hate. Love or in fear.
0: So yeah. Like, about the time. Uh, just think about how. What what influences your decisions on a daily basis?
1: It's, yes.
0: It's it's either love or fear. Or yeah. the fear of being loved or fear of not being loved.
1: Yes. In fact, Neil Donald Walsh has a lovely conversation with God in that regard, where he talks about the whole idea that the minute we fall in love, we start preparing for that person not to love us. Is it any wonder we have so many failed relationships? You know, because do you we're love waiting. In- exactly because for the shoe to drop?
0: The in- we're waiting for the in- what we think is the inevitable to happen. Exactly. So exactly. It's the, it's the law of attraction. You're attracting that which you're throwing out there, which is they're not going to love me tomorrow. I'm going to do something that's going to mess it up.
1: Yes, So just exactly. think that you're going to
0: always do your best. And as long as you and the other person, you're in a relationship, whether it's a friendship, whether it's with your with your children, no matter who the relationship is with, just remember that they're doing their best and you're doing your best. And some days your best will be better than their best, and some days their best will be better than yours. Exactly. Unconditional love and remember that, that you're enough, they're enough, you're okay and they're okay, and don't set those expectations that don't set an expectation, period.
1: Yeah, in expectations are judgments. That's what it is. So when Jesus said, judge not lest ye be judged, he really could have just as easily said, have no expectations unless you're willing to have others have expectations of you. And we're not. Most of us are not. Don't you agree, Bob? Most of mm-hmm. us I had always- never
0: thought of it that way, but you're right. Judge not lest you be judged because if you put... Meaning, if you have expectations of me, then mm-hmm. uh, the, or if I have expectations of you, I'm now allowing you to have expectations of me.
1: Exactly. And I'm allowing
0: you to judge me based on those expectations.
1: Exactly. And whether I measure up. Now, granted, folks, you know, I mean, in your jobs and stuff, in your jobs, There are expectations because that's how, that takes that other, the story from Don Miguel Reese, which is such a lovely story. It always reminds me of another one, but mine's too long to go into today. We have so much to cover. But it takes that story about living life. Yes, there are places where expectations are righteously or rightfully placed because those give you the money to live your life. In your job, there are expectations. My job is really defined by expectations and by, by judge concepts, you know. And so I know that. And I and I, that part is true. So you need to live your life. And you don't need to meditate a lot. And there are places where you do need to meet expectations. But in your personal relationships, as you're reaching out to people around the world, as you're reaching out to the person on the sidewalk, to the people known and unknown, that's where expectations trip you up. They really do. Instead of allowing that person to be who they are and believing that that person now holding their hands out with their hands full of water is is working in an effort to try to deal with that water and, and not judge necessarily unless what they're doing is unloving, then uh, we're we're trapped, the problem is how do we define unloving most of us define it as conduct that isn't what we think you should be doing when your hands are full of water and that's, that's the dilemma, is there really only one right way to deal with having too much on you at one time, no there are millions. absolutely not yeah so, Bob, would you please read uh, verse 9 for everyone again? I will, Bob. and
0: what I'd like to do is invite people to call in and as we're discussing verse 9 and tell us what you think of verse 9 and how maybe you've implemented part of what verse 9 is asking us to do in your daily life. I've thought of so many things that we could do that, that, to live verse 9. And I'm going to share those with you. But I'd love for everyone else, and Mara's going to share hers with you too. But we'd love to have you call us. The call-in number is 646-595-3584. And kind of, again, just our format is going to be is that we're going to talk about a verse, then how we have implemented in our life or how we've tried to implement it in our life, because I'm not saying that we're we're human and we... we we make mistakes, and we're faulty, and we. but we do our best. The, we'll discuss that, and then we'll introduce the verse for the following week. If you don't have the verse, you could write down what we say, or you could go back and listen again and again, or you could go out to Wikipedia and uh, search for Tao the Ching, T-A-O, new word, D-E, new word, Ching, C-H-I-N-G. And you will find, if you scroll down to the bottom of that page, that there are whew, bukus of translations of the Tao Te Ching. So you can always follow along. You can always look up. I find it interesting to read several of the translations because some of them are more cryptic and maybe more poetic. And some are more straightforward. I'm going to read just one since we introduced it last week. And Before you do, Bob, we introduce- may I
1: add... Sure. I, I just wanted to add, you know what, folks, I will uh, start at least putting Wayne Dyer's verses up for you. Uh, give me, i am next week I'm with my daughter in Seattle, so give me two weeks, but I will make certain that we at least have that translation in our blog portion so you can read it. Uh, and, and for those who uh, are like Bob and I, pretty busy, and don't have a chance to always go and look, um, fair enough.
0: Fair enough. And if okay. you show me how to put it there, I can cover you when you're not able to get it up there.
1: Okay, wonderful. Then we, we've made a deal with our listeners.
0: There we go. We'll get, that, we'll get at least the Wayne Dyer version up there. And I'm not sure whose version he uses. I'll have to look that up. But I'm actually going to read verse 9 from the Wayne Dyer book today. It says, To keep on filling is not as good as stopping. Overfilled, the cupped hands drip. Better to stop pouring. Sharpen a blade too much and its edge will soon be lost. Fill your house with jade and gold and it brings insecurity. Puff yourself with honor and pride and no one can save you from a fall. Retire when the work is done. This is the way of heaven. Oh, yeah. I think we all tend to want more, 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 more. And what this verse means to me is stop wanting more. When you're when it's done, it's done. If you have if you've eaten and you've had enough to eat, stop eating. It was one of the exercises that that Dr. Dyer said in the book was, you know, eat until there's enough, you know, eat part of it on your plate. Wait a few minutes, and if you're not hungry, stop eating. And in our society today, in our in our supersized society, we're, you know, everyone tends to be overweight, myself included. And I think that is really one simple way to practice this verse is to not eat so much. I'm not saying go on a diet. I'm just saying. Be cognizant of what you're eating. Eat part of what's on your plate. I believe I read somewhere that it takes 10 minutes for your brain to catch up with your stomach, whether it's full or not. So stop eating for a little bit. Come back. Enjoy dinner. Spread it out. Pace it out over an hour. I think we don't take enough time to eat anyway, and that might be part of our problem of eating too much because we just eat very fast and we don't take the time to really sit down and fellowship with those around us while we're eating, or even just to meditate while you're eating. Think about nothing. Enjoy the food while you're eating as well. And I thought a lot about the environment this week and how we abuse our environment and the simple things that we can do to not do that. And that is being, is recycling, recycling anything that you can. It's easy to do. It doesn't take much time.
1: No, it doesn't. And
0: right. it helps everyone on our planet it's that
1: no you're you're exactly right it's something that we um you know we we do not um we do not even recognize i'm always amazed when i go places that don't even on a minimal level recycle you know uh i i will admit that on a minimal level i do but I think that we all get caught up in, in not being sensitive to how much we have. There was a time before I have my current profession when I um, would uh, I was a teacher in a junior college setting, and I was in, aghast that in our country, we generate so much trash. And and we use so much more of everything. It's we use more power, more energy. Well, that is the power, I guess. Uh, you know, we use more consumable items. Everybody, we have multiple cars sitting around. And then guess what I found out just the other day. You can check this on the internet if you're inclined. There is like this gigantic mass of garbage. In the middle of the ocean, that's the size of a state or more.
0: I don't I I don't find that surprising. Just drive around your neighborhood on trash day. Yeah. <laughs> think My about mind. how many neighborhoods there are. I think that's something that that when that I uh, actually I was thinking this as I was reading the centering exercise today, and we were talking about sending your love to your friends and then to your neighbors and to the world is that we we sometimes forget how big our world is and how much there is, but how much we're using of it. And we didn't used to use as much. And my background, or my education anyway, uh, my bachelor's degree was in, anthropo- in cultural anthropology. And wow, I remember hey. in a class that we were talking about um, – What were we doing? We were comparing different cultures and how much what we defined as work was and the quality of life. And what we kind of determined in talking was that, or maybe the book determined it and we just agreed and kept talking about it, I don't recall, it was a long time ago, that cavemen worked a lot less hours than we do. They just went out and picked berries and fruit and, you know, killed a deer and got to eat they didn't have house chores and they didn't have to take people to the bus and you know they really left no footprint on the earth as far as uh carbon footprint and removing things from the earth but they also had maybe a higher quality of life than we do because we're not so wrapped up in they weren't so wrapped up in wanting more more more
1: yeah yeah you know One time, I gave all my stuff away, maybe not everything, but one time I had two places to live, one in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and one in Los Angeles, and the one in Los Angeles was like this giant house. I'm embarrassed to tell you, one person floated around this giant house, one person, and it was just burdened with furniture, and it was beautiful. It was beautiful. There's no doubt about it, but something happened when I realized that I didn't want all this stuff.
0: That you didn't want it or you didn't need it.
1: I or didn't. Both. both, probably. I neither wanted it nor did I need it.
0: Yeah, you came to the realization that you didn't need it or want it, and
1: yeah, yeah I and think we. I,
0: can all kind of embrace that concept and get rid of some of the things that you don't use around your house. If you've got stuff that's stuck in the back of your cupboard, maybe a, a in my case, maybe it's a waffle iron, I could take that and give that to somebody who would use it because I, I think I'm a very good cook, but waffles, uh, just buy the ones and put in the toaster. But things like that, things you don't use, give it to someone who can use it and appreciate it. And that means that we're not creating more. We're not admitting more. We're not committing more crime against nature by by giving something that we don't use away to someone who can appreciate it.
1: Plus, you know, um, at that time, I had a friend, uh, and and this has been so true. He told me that everything I get gave away would be replaced uh, in a way that meant more for me, and it wasn't. And it was. It was, but not in things. It, it was in the joy of seeing other people receiving items that had meaning to them, that had lost their meaning for me. Uh, it was in um, just the sheer pleasure of trip after trip after trip to the Salvation Army and knowing that when you drove up, they were excited to see you. <laughs> you because <know? laughs> they knew that you weren't just bringing them your leftovers but something that someone else could use you know why do we wait to discard something that we haven't worn for a year that friend uh, has really 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 created a life habit for me that i try to go through my clothes every year and if i haven't had it on my body for a year it may come back in style someday my friends but not close <laughs> enough in time for me to can, worry about. I,
0: you can rebuy it at the consignment store then in 15 years.
1: That's, exactly. <laughs> I send it, you know, I take it down and I give it away. And that makes me feel like I am helping. I am sharing. But I also consume so much less. I just truly do, and and, and so all of this came from recycling, but I think, Bob, I think many times people don't realize that we need to consider recycling our things, our belongings, too.
0: Right, not just the the container that the butter came in, but things that we have, because how many people have boxes of stuff in their attic, besides the things that you put there for holidays that you're going to take out again every year, but... How much stuff have you thrown in your attic or your basement? Depending on which part of the country you live in, you may have both or only one. Or in your shed in the back or in your garage Mm -hmm. of stuff, of just stuff. Yeah. That might have meant something to you and that you really liked, but why do we become so attached to stuff? Because when when you're gone, the stuff is going to get given to someone anyway. Give it to them now. Let them enjoy it. Don't hoard the things in your that you don't that you're not using.
1: Yeah, it's better to retire our things, ourselves. You know that 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 idea about this is the way to heaven. To just stop, to just stop. You know, folks. Can I take that one step further? Because I think we've kind of covered the thing idea. Let's retire our opinions. You know, if we've said it once, and That's enough. It's enough. Right. You know, don't belabor the situation because you have to allow, as Neil Donald Walsh, this seems to be our day of quoting some of the great masters of today, but as Neil Donald Walsh says, Love told him, uh, you know, each soul must walk its own path. And they are
0: enough, and they're doing their best.
1: Exactly. And you know what? This might be, in keeping with this, may I tell that little story, the little angel story again. And for those of you who listen to our program religiously, uh, well, I hate that word but, uh, because it, it sounds so confining and controlling. But for those of you who choose to join us in our appointment with God on Sundays... You may hear this story forever, and you may hear it periodically on my meditation program, but it says so much. Every time I say it, I think, oh, yeah. There's an assemblage of angels and love, God, all together in heaven. Let's use human Christian concepts, okay? So everybody's there and they're all talking. And these souls are so beautiful. They have lived every life that they could ever imagine living and are just iridescent because they came to earth and their final lives and they came as masters. They're just beautiful. They're just beautiful, beautiful in the goodness and the kindness that they came to come, they came to remember their connection with all that is. Gorgeous, gorgeous. This little angel comes running up, and he hasn't been to earth very often, and he tugs at God's robe, and he says, God, God, I want to forgive someone. And God says, little angel, There's nothing to forgive. We're in heaven. Everything is perfect. No one harms the other. There's nothing to forgive. That's down here, folks. That's an experience you get on this planet. And so what happens, the little angel walks away scuffing the ground with his feet and his wings are down. And he is sad, something that shouldn't happen in heaven, but he wants to experience forgiving someone. Suddenly, the wisest, brightest, most luminescent angel steps out. Little angel, I'll do it. I'll let you forgive me. Now, folks, we all know in order to forgive, what do you have to do? You have to do something. Yeah, (laughs) unloving. It's unloving. And the little angel turns around and he flies up in the air and the angel says, but you have to do one thing. And the little angel says, anything, anything. And the old, old glorious soul says, You have to remember who I am. Folks, we need to not have expectations and judgments. We need to realize that when hands get full, each person reacts in a way that may not make sense to us. But in the end, they are part of us. Let's remember who they are in love. And I promise I'll wait six months before I tell the story again. (laughs) It's a story
0: that's worth repeating. And I think that takes us to a perfect end of our quote-unquote analysis of verse 9. And I'd like to introduce verse 1 to you. I'm going to read a translation that is in Dyer's book, and I'm going to read another translation that I found on the Internet. And I'll leave you with these words to think about over the next week and we hope that you'll call in and tell us how you're living the Tao, how you're becoming more one with, the, with nature, how you're trying to converge your body, your soul, your mind, and your spirit into one so that you're living as, as one being and not allowing other people to take that away from you and how you're living your best. The... Verse 1 says, The Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. The Tao is both named and nameless. As nameless, it is the origin of all things. As named, it is the mother of ten thousand things. Ever desireless, one can see the mystery Ever desiring, one sees only the manifestations. And the mystery itself is the doorway to all understanding. Let me read a second translation for you. And that is, the Tao, or principle of nature, may be discussed by all. It is not the popular or common Tao. Its name may be named but it is not an ordinary name. Its nameless period was that which preceded the birth of the universe. In being spoken of by name, it is as the progenitrix of all things. It is therefore in habitual passionlessness that its mystery may be scanned, and in habitual desire that its developments may be perceived." These two conditions, the active and the question, alike proceed. It is only a name that they differ. Both may be called profundities, and the depth of profundity is the gate of every mystery. I think it's one of the hardest verses of the Tao to understand. And I don't think you ever understand it until you get to that, until you understand the mystery of the Tao. And I think that it sort of sets you, it sets the tone for what it is that you need to do with the rest of the verses, that you have to live it to know what it is, to understand that mystery.
1: You have to believe that we are enough, Enough. that you have to see through the maya of uh, believing we are separate, You have to believe you are enough that God, that love, is sitting right beside you waiting to connect with you and fuel your energy, fuel you to take you higher. Right now, when you believe that, those phrases will ripple up and down your chakras, like someone giving you a back massage that just, is perfect, because they are perfect, perfect words to describe the maya that we have created and the way to walk through it by believing that we are connected one with God. Friends, it's
0: hard to believe that time is almost up. It always goes so fast.
1: I know. It's amazing, isn't it? It always is, and yet I love this time, and I love the times on Friday mornings. I miss all of you on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but Fridays are nice. Uh, maybe I'll change back when I get adjusted to my new job and get settled into a different house. But uh, there but for is right no now, mis-
0: you're doing your best.
1: Right now, I am, and there is no mistake in there being 26. And so even if I would come back and do Tuesday and Thursdays again, we would still only do one verse a week. There is no accident. There's a divine meaning in that. And the other thing, um, if as Bob turns on our, our closing music, and I, I would like all of you to take this one step further. And I have told you in our meditations, or we have shared the idea that I am enough, and today we've done I am enough, we have said I am I am loved LOVED. Now let's try it. I am love Will you cleanse your mind say "I am loved.